Welcome everybody to episode number 48 of the Kinetic Fitness Show. My name is Ali West and I'm your host as always. We are edging ever closer towards 50 episodes. I'm so excited and I'm so proud that I've managed to keep this podcast going and that I've had so many different listeners from all over the world. So thank you if you are a regular listener and you support me. I'm forever grateful. But if this is your first time here and you are new to the show, then this podcast is all about inspiring you to live a longer, healthier, happier and more joyful life. I do that through covering different topics centered around health and well-being each and every week. But I take a very holistic approach to wellness. That means I cover the mind, the body and the spirit. Because when you can become optimally healthy in all three of those areas, you are going to be optimally healthy, complete wellness. And then also you're going to live your best life possible. My guest today is Megan Kearney, and I'm going to give you a little bit of information about Megan and a bit about her background, almost like a little bio breakdown. <laughs> and then she, I'm sure she's going to tell you more because we pre-recorded this episode a couple of weeks ago and I had a fantastic time speaking to Megan. What I will point out about this episode before I read you her bio and tell you a little bit about her is that a lot of the gems, a lot of the gold in this episode are in the last 20 to 25 minutes of the show. That doesn't mean that the first half of it and the start of the show isn't great, it, it really is, but the amazing stuff is towards the end. So make sure you stick around because the gold dust gets dropped at the end in the last 20 to 25 minutes of this episode. And you've probably clicked on this episode because you like the title, How to Live a Longer, Healthier, Happier, and More Joyful Life. That is the mission of this podcast. That's my personal mission, my purpose on this planet. But we really dive into this with Megan and she tells you from her perspective how you can live a longer, healthier, happier and more joyful life as well. So if you want to be well, you want to improve your wellness, this is the episode and this is the podcast for you. Okay, let's get into it. Let's talk about Megan. Megan is a creative and, uh, and vinyasa instructor. So she uses thoughtful movement to emphasize the mind-body connection. She teaches vinyasa, yin and restorative and she integrates alignment and functional flow through her classes and always includes meditation and breath work. We've spoke about that on this podcast before, how powerful it is. She has a com combined degree in kinesiology, business and leadership. As a yoga teacher for over 15 years, she first entered the world of yoga via meditation more than 25 years ago. She has more than 6,000 teaching hours under her belt as an EYRT and 500 hour graduate of yoga medicine. She's a certified yoga medicine, registered therapeutic specialist, and Yoga Alliance continuing education provider. She's specifically trained in myofascial release work, Thai massage, mindfulness-based meditation, yoga for traumatic brain injury resilience, and mixed martial arts practices. She offers classes to all ages at her Ebb and Flow studio in Metro Atlanta in Georgia in the United States, and is proud to be part of the yoga medicine teaching faculty. A recovering triathlete herself, Megan enjoys working with athletes, aging bodies with injuries and is specifically creating classes and curriculum for firefighters and other first responders. And we do touch on that in this episode and that is an amazing bit of work that she is doing, an amazing focus which we do touch on. So keep a look out, a, a look out, a listen out for that. Uh, and she explores the ability to use yoga, meditation and breath work to build mental wellness in typically sleep deprived, sleep deprived and chronic stress sufferers. So that is Megan, that's her little bio. Enough about that, enough about the intro, let's get stuck into it. Let's start today's episode, bring in Megan and share this powerful, powerful episode with you. Enjoy the podcast, guys. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the Kinetic Fitness Show. Thank you so much for, for joining me on this podcast. Hey, I'm so glad that you could have me and that we could hook up. How are you doing today? How's your, your day so far? I know there's a little bit of a time difference, but how, uh, how is your day going? Oh, it's been wonderful. I, I get up early. I work with uh, early morning clients, so I've had my day going for, for a while now, but it's, it's rolling. It's, I, I set it up. I'm strategic in how I set up my day, so I actually just finished my my breakfast and uh and I'm ready mentally ready to to work with you and share some information brilliant sounds great before we do 
go into that and before we start to share some information and also I ask you some some questions and pick your brain a little bit can you just give myself mm. and the listeners uh, a bit of a backstory about you who you are where you're coming from and what you do and how you help people yeah sure uh, I come from a background of um of anatomy, kinesiology, uh, that's what I, I studied in college, and worked, worked in sports, uh, became a triathlon coach, and really saw that a lot of my athletes were not uh, fulfilling their needs in the flexibility department, so I started introducing yoga to them, um, and that's how I really got into yoga, was by way of making my athletes need to do more mobility work and more stretching. Um, what's ironic about my path to yoga is I was a meditator through college. And so I meditated long before I ever sat down on a mat and started practicing the actual asanas of yoga. So um, when I did finally put the two together, I found it incredibly healing. In fact, I loved it so much that when I suffered from my own injury and setback, that really challenged me mentally because I couldn't do the things that I loved, the outlets that I needed. Um, yoga and meditation really got me through it and helped me, helped me learn, helped me heal. And so it was that moment in my early 30s that I decided, oh, I want to I wanna do this forever <laughs> I want to I want to practice yoga but I also want to share it and I want to teach people and so it was an interesting uh, combination of of having a kinesiology background of movement and and uh, an anatomical discernment I guess or, or, or leaning towards anatomical work and then yoga which was this kind of when I started very spiritual kind of more um uh antiquated it's old tradition right not antiquated but an old tradition that that really the two didn't need the medical side versus versus yoga didn't need and so um that ended up years down the road bringing me to yoga medicine's doorstep uh, which i'm going to talk about i'm sure a lot today um it's a wonderful community that i got involved with and and their focus on educating uh, teachers in anatomy, physiology, and biomechanics, and combining that with the traditional tradition of yoga practice is is phenomenal, and it gets me excited and jazzed because these are all those things that I'm very passionate about, and that's, that's what brought me to this point. So, so I'm a yoga teacher, and I actually own a studio with my husband here in our town, and um, it's a therapeutic studio. We offer all kinds of yoga. Um, massage as well as sensory deprivation so we have a float tank in our studio saltwater float tank to help people heal awesome. and um are you there yeah i'm here i was just saying awesome the floating oh sorry is, is great yeah yeah it's super and it really is a nice kind of um creates this nice well-roundedness this wholeness to what we're looking to provide people so it's meditation yoga um, teaching them about uh, more conscious living and then how to care for themselves adding a little more self-care massage floating into their life that that really makes them uh, a stronger whole so that's where we are today that's great a brilliant story and a um, brilliant journey that you've been on and you're helping others to heal as well which i which i absolutely love let's get stuck in then to the yoga medicine megan like so tell me and tell the listeners about yoga medicine explain the techniques the processes what it involves yeah so yoga medicine is not a style it's it's an organization that that educates teachers with um trainings across the the globe in function and dysfunction of the human body um the goal of yoga medicine is to be able to create a bridge so that yoga teachers can work with healthcare practitioners and really combine efforts to be the end game so to speak for a lot of people so when someone's working with their doctor that they can be able to now know what their next steps are for instance in my own experience at my studio we work with we call it our comprehensive care circles and we invite all of our healthcare practitioners that are in the area orthopedics, um, doctors, 
physical therapists. We invite them all into the studio to see what we do. Um, and then we take their, their requirements, their prescriptions, their, their suggestions for their clients and apply it to the students when they walk into the studio. And so we really become that bridge of, okay, now we've done what we can for you on the Western side. Now we send you into the studio to begin a yoga practice. It's going to be very helpful and therapeutic um, in that sense to, to help you go the next step. So our job is, is to be a service and a support to the medical system and to medical providers by, by working with them, assisting their patients. And when they start... I, Sorry, when the, the, no. the students and the practitioners start using this and also combining the, the different techniques, what sort of impact does that start to have on, on their careers, but also on their, the, the, the people that they're treating, the patients, the clients? Well, you know, it's interesting because... We see a lot, at least in my experience, I see a lot of people that have come through the medical system and their doctor says, go to yoga, because they really they can't identify exactly what it is that's going on. Um, and so they said, let's, you know, let's try some movement. Let's get you to yoga. And I think that the, the discussions that I've had with our, our medical care professionals, our healthcare providers, has been, you know, there's just, there's so much stress. There's such a lack of movement and we're stuck in this seated position for a lot of people. Most of the time they're saying this sitting is, is the new killer. Yeah. Um, and so really just getting them moving, in fact, um, is a lot of times what helps people sort of alleviate some of their pain. But we see this chronic pain across the board and doctors trying to, to, to mitigate maybe some, some surgical practices or procedures or even going a route of using um, medications and saying, hey, you know, let's try this first, and especially because we've reached out and created a relationship and we've started a dialogue with healthcare providers in the area saying, hey, we're here and this is what we, the research shows is that we can, we can help mitigate some of that. Um, and so they're really willing to kind of work with us to send people and it's such a great relationship. I think it, it strengthens the relationship with the healthcare provider and their patients, um, helping them find something in the community that can be really good for peace of mind and for the physical body and connection. I mean, you're sending your patient into a, a studio with teachers that you're familiar with their background and their knowledge, but also they're meeting other people in the community that they might not have met before. So there's really like so many different layers to I think what um, what happens and it and it really just speaks to the each person is individual each person is unique um, and and that's the beauty of being able to to let the yoga practice and the meditation practice kind of rise up on its own and and suit the needs whatever they may be for that individual. Yeah, it's great. I think one of the big issues that's been a problem maybe not it's starting to get better but maybe in the last 10 15 20 years in wellness in the medical field and also in in fitness where i lie is that um there's always this kind of animosity like oh, are you stepping on this person's toes or i don't want to work with that person i that i don't agree with what they're saying so the, the way that that's working bringing everyone together and sharing skills and um almost like that strong referral culture it just I think that's brilliant I think that we need more of that and bringing people together but bringing different practitioners together makes a big difference as well doesn't it yeah it's so important and and really when we look at the body we we could think of it as black and white you know in science we might want to even think that way I know I came from a learning institution where it was this is what's in the book and this is what we know and and even since those 20 years that I've graduated from college, the, we are learning so much more about the body. Every day we're learning something new. And so we have to really embrace this idea that, that there's a gray area. And, and maybe I have some ideas that might help someone, but, but we surely can't block out any other options. We've got to be open to lots of different ways to help people um, and even, oh gosh, even in the last 
couple of years is working with people in private sessions, looking at dysfunction, function, how do we create structural integrity, say in a joint or wherever it is that they're experiencing pain and trying to help them, we start to realize that even if we change the tissues, even if we make them stronger or make them more flexible or length, help them lengthen or release, um, really whatever's going on in their mind that they're dealing with will eventually make the tissues go back to whatever they were doing. So we have a lot to do with working with the brain. And, and my current work now is, is really driven towards how do we work with the brain? How do we support the brain? Um, I did some traumatic brain injury work with Love Your Brain Foundation last year. Um, and I continue to investigate that with my own students. How do we work? How do we work with the brain, be it stress, be it chronic pain, be it something more significant like PTSD or um, a brain injury? And how does that then trickle down and speak to the cells, to the tissues, and vice versa? So it's, it is so important that we look at it with an investigative mind, that we just be curious and not expect like this is right for one person. So it's going to be right for everyone because it just isn't. Everything you just said there reminds me of uh, the quote in the matrix. Have you seen the matrix? Yes. I love it. What does it, what does he say? Uh, the body can't function without the mind. That's what everything you just said. Yeah. Reminds me of that. So makes so much yeah, sense. I mean, that, science is showing, isn't it? That we can affect not just, how our body moves and how the tissues move but literally as you said to the deepest cellular level like we can uh, work on people that are suffering with cancer and these terrible diseases just by changing the mindset and the story that they tell to themselves so i, I love that it's so powerful yeah it's it's mind-blowing to me and i get really really excited about it um i just read sachin panda's um, he's with the Salk Institute, just read his book, Circadian Code. And it is mind-blowing to me, some of the research on um, sleep deprivation and what we consider shift work really is something that affects more of the population than we think of. In fact, he said in studies, they found people who slept, who had disrupted sleep between the hours of 10 to 5 a.m., at least 50 times a year were considered um, at risk for sleep deprivation or considered a shift worker. Um, that's mind-blowing to me because then we have this kind of cascade effect that happens from lack of sleep. And, and really, this, this book was eye-opening in our circadian rhythms, how that might be at the root of so many things with our brain, helping our body repair and restore, um, making good decisions and being able to, to balance the, the body and help the immune system, it's, it's fascinating stuff. And we're, this is all just starting to come out. And so we kind of embrace that idea of like, we just don't know. And we're, we're looking at it and how, how do we, what we do know is how do we create conscious lifestyle that supports the circadian rhythm, that helps us exercise and be mindful and get good sleep and connect um, and have exercise or movements. I call it the meds. <laughs> you know, you've got mindfulness, exercise, diet, and sleep. And then after that, the other pillars that, that need to be brought in are connection, self-mastery, service. All of this is, is something very, um, the yogis are used to hearing. It's a lot of what we talk about in yoga, but it, it's applicable across the board. Yeah, it's the it's the complete picture. It's the complete approach, and it's very much how I shape this show and shape the podcast and shape how I work with clients as well. Is I always say, if you want to be optimally healthy, if you want to be the best version of yourself, it's not just the body, it's not just the mind. It's the mind, the body, and the spirit. It's the whole. It's all three. And when you get healthy in all three of the areas, then you're going to live the best version of yourself and the best life, in my opinion. So. I, I hear you. I completely agree with everything you said. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I'm, I am passionate about it. I've seen it make changes. It's everything that I have seen has been my experience. I've taught, gosh, I've been teaching yoga now. Uh, I forget and I stop adding. So I have to go back to the first yeah. year. 
Um, I'm at uh, uh, nearly 12 years now uh, teaching yoga um, from different systems and, and then continuing on through yoga medicine and five years in a studio, uh, over 6,000 hours working with students. And, and in that experience, it's been just knowing that everybody is different, but across the board, if we apply uh, all of those pillars that you and I just spoke of, you apply all of those, then, then your wellness, your mind, your well-being, maybe the pain doesn't go away, right? Maybe the pain is there, but it's all in how your perception of it and how you live with it and how you move through this, this world. So um, it's, it's really interesting to me and I think so important things that I want to share to our community. Um, specifically for me, my desire is to share it with first responders because that hits very ho close to home for me. Um, but I think it's applicable for everyone. You just um, must be reading my mind because you just brought me on to the next topic I was going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we're all, this, there we're are all no the same wavelength. That's right. There are no coincidences. <laughs> yes, the first responders, yeah. I wanted to talk about that. Just t tell me and tell the listeners about why you decided to go along this avenue, this journey of working with uh, first responders and how you've help these people and kind of the impact that you're you're making and you're seeing working with this yeah graphic. well I my husband and I have been together um since college so we've been together 26 years um and he has always been he's just gravitated gravitated excuse me towards a career in service it's just who he is his fabric and I think all first responders are that way um, so he, for a very long time, he worked for FEMA. He was involved in 9-11. Um, we have a really tight bond with some of those guys that he was involved with, very tight with some guys up at FDNY um, Fire Department in New York City. And then he went on to other things, another line of work, but he still always volunteered and he would have these sleepless nights. Um, Fast forward to his permanent career, we moved to the South so that he could be a firefighter full time and really pursue his passion. And he loved it, wouldn't change it for the world. But as he started getting older, we started noticing these, these sleepless nights or the, the, just the career stress, the things that they see on job was starting to take its toll. And at one point, he was working our studio and building that, and then he'd go on shift, and he just dove into work. And I had no idea that sleep deprivation at the time, I had no idea that sleep deprivation could lead to such a significant depression. In fact, could lead him down the road of even wanting to contemplate suicide or not being in this world. And it did in the worst way and very quickly. Um, and it didn't, to me, depression, I always thought of he's sad, he's going to be sad, he's going to be struggling with things. For, for him, depression showed up in the way that he just dove into his work and I couldn't get him to pull back. And of course, you know, first responders don't get paid very well. So most of them work secondary jobs when they come off shift. Um, and so we really struggled through this depression and, and he struggled and I was just a supported spouse at this, and wasn't even able to use the skills that I had was just sort of, what do I do? And so I, I read books, I went to therapy and, and finally at one point, it was about six months in, he had hit rock bottom and a therapist diagnosed him and it was like someone turned on the light for him um, because he had an answer. And so we started doing work. We worked to establish a sleep routine to really be protective of his sleep. Um, we know he's not going to get it when he's on shift. We know he's going to see things that are not what any human being should see. Um, but we're really careful to establish his routine, to, to be supportive and talk through the things that he sees and how he feels about it. Um, to do gratitude building and really some self-mastery work um, at home when he's off shift. And, and nutrition was a big part of it. Um, and, and so in that, in our own kind of uh, journey of through depression and sleep deprivation and work with a great therapist 
we started doing research and just found so much out there. In fact, the correlation between sleep deprivation and suicide is 1.4 times higher than, a, than someone who gets a good night's sleep. And then suicide rates for first responders is 20% higher than the public. And those are staggering rates. And wow. when they're not contemplating suicide or, or, or ending their own lives, many of them are falling into depression. Their divorce rates are quite high. Um, drugs and addiction, alcohol. Um, so there's so much in a first responders realm that they are asked to deal with. Again, that job is can be traumatic, and PTSD is not a term that they talk about often, but it is. It can be, and it really affects the brain. And then on top of that, the lack of sleep, being called to duty, or having to stay awake all night, right? Completely shifting your circadian rhythm. Um, so it's all of these things, and then you add in that the poor nutrition that they're eating at different times of the day that their body's not ready to eat, or maybe they're grabbing something on the go that's not necessarily healthy or providing them the nutrients they need. And so all of that really starts to play into this this deprivation that that really affects cognitive performance, decision making, mood creating mood disorders, whereas anxiety or depression, leading to cardiovascular hypertension. We see a lot of hypertension, heart disease in firefighters. Cancer rates are high. In fact, that is being connected or correlated with studies showing higher inflammation in the body from lack of sleep. And so this impairment of the, the immune system and why our firefighters, when they live through firefighters, police, anyone in the the response field really can get out and retire they still suffer from longevity of their life because of all of these things that they've they've been faced with and so we thought it was really important we came up with you know the skills here at home and then we just found this is this is a group we want to work with and we want to provide this this education this knowledge and there's there's great programs that are running currently. Um, but what we think is so different about ours is we really want to create the community effect, this, this safety net after work. So we don't want to go into the department and work with officers and dispatch or doctors, ER doctors and nurses even. We want to be able to connect our local studios, train the teachers to work with this particular set. And let them come into the studio and and really have anonymity in the practice and be able to talk about the things they've seen and reframing building resilience is what we call it um and have a class that's really geared to helping them heal and recover and and rebuild for the next shift i absolutely love it there's one thing that you mentioned just right at the end there and it made me, well, I was thinking about it the whole time you, you were speaking, but then it really hit home when you said building resilience. And I think a lot of the time, the general public and maybe myself included, we think that these first responders, these people that work with the emergency services are almost bulletproof. They're like heroes or superheroes, but they are to some extent, but they're not. They're, they're vulnerable and fragile people just like we are. And we kind of forget that sometimes. So the work that you're doing and the others are doing to help these people, I just think it's, it's awesome and it goes a long way. And I bet you're, I mean, you're going to tell me now, but I'm sure you're seeing amazing results with these, with these people as well, aren't you? Yeah, we're, we're, we've done a lot of local work. We're excited to start to expand the project. We call it the Stronger Shield Project. And we're excited to start training more teachers. We're going to launch this fall um, an online module, uh, recovery module that um, first responders can do on their own. It's a day, day-to-day activity practice, whether it's asana or movement, um, meditation or journaling or breath work, but it's really helping to get them in a state of wellness to create some routine for them and support them um, in the best ways possible. And so it's 21 days of that. Um, that they can access online. So regardless, you know, some of these bigger departments are really talking about a lot of this. And then there's just so many other departments that are, there's 3 million, I think, 
first responders in the world, um, and that may be even a more conservative number, but they're they're everywhere. And so being able to access this kind of information and care for yourself as an individual is important. And then kind of secondary to that is getting the studios up and, and encouraging them to offer it. And it's our hope that as a nonprofit, we'll be able to fund studios so that they can offer it because uh, what we do here locally is it's free. We don't charge uh, our first responders or their partners for the class. And that's our hope is that um, because relationships are really such a key part. I mean, the, the family suffers, the partner suffers when somebody is really struggling with sleep deprivation and PTSD or job stress. Um, and, and so we want to support the whole family. Um, yeah, so we're, we're really, we, we see a huge need. Uh, long-term, our goal is to put together a retreat even that's like a two to three day retreat focused on all of the pillars and being able to kind of take them out of the environment they're in, show them the research, but also give them an opportunity to really feel it and absorb it and experience it in their body so that they can go home and make that decision for themselves to, to, to again, establish those routines and to take care of themselves. Amazing. Sounds great. Big plans. I love yeah. it. Let's... Big plans. And you are, you are so right, by the way. We have this mindset that they are superheroes, and they really are. They're amazing people. Um, but I think that that sometimes creates this, this hard exterior, and, and it doesn't make them um, – they're afraid to show that, there's, that they're really struggling with something. Um, and that goes between each other as well. They want to know that this person's got their back. And, and so there's probably a little bit of fear there that, that if something happens, maybe they're not 100%. And so I think they keep quiet and it's, it's becoming a silent killer. Yeah, the worst thing they can do is keep quiet. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more then now, Megan, about you. Because <laughs> I'm interested in... <laughs> in picking your brain about a few things. Um, the first one I want to talk about is what are your, what is your like daily routines? What kind of, let me put this in, in like inverted commas, healthy practices. What are some of your rituals, routines, habits that you do on a daily basis that help you to, to, to live a great life and live a healthy life as well? Yeah. Wow. Those are great. Um, all right. So I'm really particular about my boundaries. Uh, I make sure I have, I have work on certain days and I take off on certain days. Um, so I keep that kind of strict and protected. And that said, I, I get up, I'm a very early riser. I'm a hard sleeper. I actually, um, I don't have any sleep disruptions. I go to bed at about nine o'clock at night and I wake um, about between the hours of 5.30, 6.30 and I meditate and practice gratitude. And then I might have, um, I like uh, chai tea. So I, I actually do a version of it, a bulletproof version of it um, in the morning. And then I'll, I'll break fast sometime around nine or 10. And um, and then I might, I find that I've kind of gotten in this rhythm where I notice that my, my best brain time for myself is 10 to one, um, right in between my lunch, <laughs> right before my lunch. Um, so I do a lot of my best work, whether I'm in the classroom teaching or I'm sitting down and writing a lot of my best work is during those times. And then my physical activity comes later in the day when I notice that I might start to need be a little bit antsy. Maybe my brain's a little bit foggier. I typically will go do some sort of form of activity for myself, but my own practice, physical practice, um, walking, taking a hike with my husband if he's off shift, um, playing. It's lately. It's been a lot of playing at the pool and swimming with my with my kids. Um, and then we, we have an early dinner. If I'm teaching in the evening, I'll go teach, but I usually finish and, and I do what's called intermittent fasting. So I finish my meals between five or six. Um, and leave that. We have one night a week that's dedicated to, to 
family time, we're really protective, again, of certain spaces. We have family time where we play games or do activities together. It's really amazing connection night where we, we just work together. We have a little bit of a family meeting to get on the same page. And um, it's important. I have three kids, two teenagers and a, and a 10-year-old. <clears throat> so it's important to get on the same page with them. And then we try really hard, technology seeps in. We try really hard to shut things down and start to dim the lights as we pre prepare for bed again. We, are, we try really hard to see our sleep as um, it, it, it's the most important thing, especially with my husband. So uh, we will protect that so we start to dim lights and um, really live and live and breathe by the sun. That's our goal. <laughs> it's the uh, the boss of everything. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. And I think that everybody's rhythm is different, right? So um, maybe you're a, you rise later in the morning and you that's just how you are. And it, and the interesting thing, and as I mentioned in the book, is that uh, Sachin Panda says is that you know every organ in your body has this rhythm and so when you're in tune to it you kind of know and for me I'm in tune that's those are the times that I'm in tune with and and finding it's not easy I think it takes some slowing down to figure out what your rhythm is um, and what workload you can manage without tipping the scale right yeah so. um, it's 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 a whole nother topic and a whole nother podcast in itself uh the, the sleep and the circadian rhythm side of things but it's so so important i think it's a critical thing that people need to pin down starting to find out whether they're a, an am person or a pm person and then get in sync with with that and set a regular bedtime go wake up on the a, a certain time it, I, I love all that kind of stuff and it's something that i've researched and looked into a lot of recently and we've covered certain elements of it on the podcast as as well already but I'm, I'm with you i completely agree how powerful getting in tune with your not just your circadian room but just like you say listening to your body in general a lot of people don't listen to their body um in terms mm -hmm. of food in terms of nutrition in terms of how their minds working and what self-talk mm -hmm. and blabber they're saying to themselves so i think it's, it keeps coming up on every not every podcast but a lot of the guests that I've had on, the one big thing that keeps coming up is awareness. And I think when people become more aware, then mm. you're on you're on a right track to to, to live in a, a healthier life, in my opinion. Absolutely. I think we go into autopilot. You know, we let the days, the work, everything dictate, even movement dictate uh, the pace of our breath. I was working with someone today doing time dilation and trying to get them to slow their movement down with their breath. And it was just moving their arms. They struggled to move their arms faster to keep their breath slow. And it was really fascinating work in the body to, for the student to, to try and struggle with it. Um, you know, that awareness is so key and kind of sitting back and observing, wow, why am I, why do I do this? Why do I feel, how does this feel? What does that feel? Why? You know, instead of just kind of accepting um, we eat on autopilot, we drive, we get places and we're like, how do we get here? <laughs> you yeah. know, everything is done just sort of in that, I think it's, you know, we're in that, just that brainwave between beta and alpha kind of oscillating back and forth. And if we slowed down and moved more into the alpha a little more often that we might find ourselves um, be able to, in those moments to be more aware when we need it, less brain fog, less autonomic at work and more um specific and more thoughtful i don't know that's my thought but awareness yes I yeah I love, it. love it the out of all of those daily practices then and the routines and the habits that you've gotten yourself into if you had if i had to say just which one has had the biggest impact on your on your life and on your health and on your well-being which which would it be Oh, goodness. You know, it, it really is the sum of all. If you were going to tell me I had to, you know, sometimes I have to pick. I think when I travel, I absolutely have to pick. I don't get to determine how much sleep I'm going to get if I'm away teaching or 
Um, you know, even what I'm going to get to eat, some of it I have to curtail. So I always say the non-negotiables uh, is that um, is meditation because it connects you with your awareness. It, it helps you find gratitude in those times where you're really struggling and life is hard. Um, it develops your patience. I love that the, in, in Danish, patience means the courage to bear. And I, I just love that because really it is when you sit and you're, you come face to face with your thoughts and the, the inner workings of the brain and how it's reacting, you really do have to have courage to watch it, to learn, um, and to become more responsive rather than reactive. And so I think meditation is, is meditation. And I say mindfulness because it really pervades what you do on the, on the cushion or wherever you do meditation and then mindfulness carries through into your day in a more informal way. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I love that you said that because meditation is just, it's huge. Again, we've done one, two, I think we've had two podcasts about meditation and um, for me, it's something that it, it changed my life. As soon as I got into meditation and, and started it and went down that spiritual path, uh, everything in my life started to shift in the right direction and in the mm -hmm. way that I wanted it to. And you mentioned something, I can't remember the exact word and you said, but um, what I got from it was that for me, uh, and what you said is that, meditation is a journey i think a lot of people think oh they're going to go into meditation and then everything's going to be okay and it's like that solves all the problems meditation but it's not i mean i've had <laughs> difficult times in meditation and things have come up and maybe i didn't want them to come up but they've come up for a reason and it's not always plain sailing with meditation but the more you do it the more you practice the the bigger impacts it's going to have on your life so i like that it's a non-negotiable for you that meditation doesn't doesn't disappear the one yeah, i yeah. one i never get rid of is uh, is is the gratitude my, my day starts with gratitude and ends with it, it that that mm. one will never disappear for me <laughs> yeah we we have a little thing we do every friday and it's gotten so much steam and i love it because when, before i get out of bed in the morning one of my yoga teachers said cross your cross your hands and just list a couple things that you're grateful for before you roll out of bed. And I've done that um, ever since she trained me back in 2012. And, and it just, it just changes the whole day. It just absolutely gives you another, just reframes everything. Cause I think a lot of times people can get up and just already the day is weighing on them. You know, the things they've got to be doing, you slow down and just be grateful for a couple simple things. Um, so we call it five things Friday where we actually share our five things for the week online and encourage people to do it. Cause gratitude is so profound. It's so it's life changing. It's mind altering. It's a game changer. So yeah, I agree with you. It's a hard pick between my list. So yeah, <laughs> meditation, mindfulness, gratitude. Yeah. Big things, big things. And just for the listeners, we've got, we've covered all of those on the podcast before. So you need to go back if you haven't and listen to them once. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit now, Megan. And, uh, I'm going to tell you the mission. Well, actually it's the mission statement or the, the purpose of this podcast, but it's also my own personal purpose, life purpose. So I'm going to read it to you and then we're going to touch on each one and, ask for your tips on how we can improve these different areas. So the mission statement, my mission statement and the mission statement of the podcast is to inspire others to live longer, healthier, happier, and more joyful lives. So can we just touch on that? So tips for if you, if we just give you, if you just give me two or three on each one. So what would be your go-to tips for living a longer life to start off with? I know all of these will intertwine a little bit, but let's start with, uh, with living a longer life. <laughs> Oh my gosh, sleep and eat consciously. That would be my tip for a longer life. Sleep um, just consciously. Yes, yes. Conscious, conscious diet. So being aware of where it came from, what you're putting in, how much, when you need it, what your body is saying to you, when you're hungry, when you're not. Yeah, that to me is conscious diet. And and it goes hand in hand with that getting into your rhythm and getting the sleep that your body needs. And, and I think that's the key to long life. 
that was quick. That was easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What about feeling well, the what about, <laughs> <laughs> what about a healthier life then? So again, these are these all intertwine. But what about a healthier life? So you've said for a longer life, sleep and conscious eating. But what about healthier? Two or three go to. Yeah. So when you say yeah, when you say healthier, I don't necessarily think like my physical health. Or when I think of live longer, I'm like, yeah, I definitely think more of my physical well being. Um, I think with with uh, healthy I'm like how's that overall picture that whole picture look like and for healthy I say movement of some sort whether it's yoga um, yoga and meditation really is that well because it's going to bring that uh, that centering that awareness the helping you deal with the voices in your head and and learning to appreciate them the voices uh, and that you can actually alter those voices um, so meditation and exercise or supportive movement. Movement is the bomb. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a lot of times. Yeah, I mean, it was so fascinating to me. We did, I did some training with yoga medicine, cadaver training, and we worked in older bodies and went layer by layer and just made me, when I left there, I wanted to go to every nursing home I could and just help people move because that is really the precursor to the end is just this when we stop moving the end is near so I just feel like we gotta move it doesn't have to be a yoga pose it just needs to be exploring our range of movement and and challenging our strength and building flexibility and yeah so big key one to healthy yeah it reminds me of a course or a workshop that I went on many years ago now. And my background is very, very similar to yours in the sense that my background's in kind of biomechanics and functional human movement. And about, it's got a long time now, maybe seven, eight years ago, I did a, a Gary Gray course. Have you, do you know Gray, the Gray Institute? Have you heard of Gary Gray? No, I'm not familiar. Uh, uh, so the Gray Institute is, he's a, Gary Gray is like a really, big physio he's worked with like some of the biggest names tiger Woods, michael jordan that kind of stuff and i went on one of his uh his workshops and there was another uh, osteopath physiotherapist on their uh teaching and his name dave tiberio and he said a quote that stuck with me forever and i love it and i use it every single day and you can use it as well if you want and it's this it's motion is lotion mm. and I love yeah it. i love that so yeah, keep moving. Yeah, it is. It is. It's the sad. So we gotta we gotta move. So meditation and uh, and movement and that is the key to a healthy life. Okay, next one's happier. How are we gonna live a happier life? I know some of the the things you already said might come up, but what's your keys for for a happier life? Yeah. So then happy, I would say. Um, happy would be connecting and gratitude. I think establishing a gratitude practice, um, connecting with people, like-minded people, but also also just finding your purpose in the community. You know, what, what can you do? What part can you add to? I always tell my students that when they come into a classroom, I say, you know, you're an individual thread. You're unique and you're amazing. And now as you lay here, have a sense of how many other people are in the classroom with you. Now you're a piece of fabric, all these threads that intertwine together. And so I think that, you know, we can be happier if we touch upon the things that we, we have that we can be grateful for and we can connect within our local community and considering it like our, our tribe. You know, I think uh, Will I Am said something really profound in a podcast that I listened to last year about how we are so tied into technology and we, it, it disconnects us from our God-given technology and that's our intuition. And so if we really listen and we lean in and we cut the static of technology out and really connect locally, finding what's our path, our our goal or what we can provide within our community, I guess in that sense, service even, um, I think that leads to a happier life. Amazing. Yeah. Connection, relationships, all that stuff is, is really important and it's massive. And I was listening to a podcast this morning and it was talking about, 
longevity of health and it was saying about the blue zones around the world you know uh, sardinia in italy and okinawa in japan and places like that and their big one of their big things is is that community aspect doing stuff for the local community spending time with their loved ones eating with their loved ones having that family time and yeah i, I completely mm-hmm. agree with you connectedness is massive yeah so big and let's stay off or well, not stay off but reduce the reduce the social media because we all know where that's going <laughs> yeah again i think that, that there's some great things technology to technology and social media but then there's also that also pilot where you know we all know that you just sit there getting lost in the scroll and the images that are coming up in our stream um i think can just be really detrimental if we're not aware if we're not watching the the reaction that it's causing in us um, so I think it's better to, to focus on the, the, the relationships that are tangible, the ones that, that we can touch and feel and really see, um, see in our lives. And that's, that's our local community. That's our, that's our local tribe. Yeah. I think another good thing, another tip that uh, we're going off topic here, but I, I wanted to point it out is with social media, a good thing to do and what is something that I did particularly with Instagram is the people that you follow just make it people that you relate to and that also inspire you and the stuff that you want to see as opposed to the stuff that's going to be negative or bring your vibration down just if you even if you've only got 50 or 60 people that you follow but all that stuff is is helping you on your life journey then I think that's a good thing to do so maybe some people need to just go through their followers and unfollow a few. <laughs> yeah, right. Clean the stream. That's yeah, it. you got to you got to clean it up. You don't want to drink that in. So you've got to you got to get those pollutants and toxins out and 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 it's not anything on what these people are posting. It's really just what how it affects you, right? And so I I think that we have to learn to not feel guilty that they can be lovely people. Um, but we don't need to see it if it makes us feel badly about ourselves or it induces some negative talk or, or some other negative um, aspect to it. So you're absolutely right. Let's, let's encourage everyone to clean their streams. Yeah, I love that. Clean their stream. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> and the last one then is is joyful, uh, to live a joyful life. So for me, the joy is what underpins everything. But talk to me and the listeners about the keys to to living a joyful life well I think that it all trickles down into everything that you've just said uh, you know that we've mentioned the the meditation practice diet and sleep and connection and and finding your purpose uh, having some sense of a higher being even even depending on your own spirituality that can look very different individual to individual and I think once you have all of that it helps you know that rhythm right the rhythm of life the rhythm of your life the season of your life where you're at the things that you love and I think being able to be full of joy in those moments no it means that you know that you can lean into those things that you you love and do more of those those things um, because all these other aspects are, are really being fulfilled to get you there. So it's a, it's a cascade effect, right? Um, but then likewise, I also think that joy is something you can carry, you, you learn to carry with you at all times, even in the hardest time, you've got to just try to dig deep and, and bring that out and, and knowing yourself and knowing your nature and what you need, that self-care I think helps bring it back to the surface when you feel like you've lost it. I love that you've mentioned that because to me, I think joy is knowing that everything's going to be okay. So you said in your hardest Mm -hmm. times having it with you. And I think if you know that deep down or or you believe in that higher power that look, everything's going to be okay. Yes. I might've just lost some money or uh, someone might've died or a relationship's gone wrong, but in, ultimately everything's going to be okay and that I think that's that's what joy is to me so I'm glad that you mentioned that something that you can carry with you even in your hardest times yeah I you know it's so funny when I talk to people they they think you know I get a lot of feedback well you're just naturally happy person you're very optimistic and 
And I, I have absolutely been through the ringer. I've had injuries. I've had my marriage nearly fall apart in, in the worst way possible with my best friend. And I just, you know, think that you have a choice that in those moments where you're really, really struggling to just take a step back and go, this hurts and this is so painful and it sucks right now, but it's not going to last. It's, it's all temporary. Um, and there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. My joy is there. Um, it just may be that these other things are dimming it right now. It's kind of like the sun on a cloudy day, right? That's what I always tell my students that, that it's there. It's just, you're allowed to feel this way, but no, it's only temporary. Yeah. And it's, it's balance as well, isn't it? It's the, the law of polarity that there's, there's always going to be an opposite and a, an equal measure so it's, it's it doesn't last forever mm-hmm. and I, I agree with you it's, people have said the same thing to me they're like oh you're you're naturally positive and all that but this isn't something that there's that is natural it's something that I've had to work at I, I've been crippled by my worry by fear and I've worked myself fingers crossed to the other side of that and uh, <laughs> it's practice it's training it's just the same as jumping in the gym and saying I want to get a bigger chest or I want to train my biceps it's the same thing with gratitude with meditation with mindfulness all these things that we've spoken about today it, it's, it's it's training and practicing and making it a life practice to eventually keep progressing and then when you finish this one you go on to the next life and work on it again <laughs> yeah absolutely we're all worked in progress exactly it's a it's a, it's a journey I think, uh, Megan, we're going to start wrapping things up. I've absolutely loved it. And um, it's, been a, it's been an inspiring conversation, but also a very positive one, which is the, the vibrations that I like to put out. And I appreciate you taking your time. I know you've got a busy practice. Uh, and it, I, I love as well that you're, you're very similar to me. You've got your own space. You work with your, your life partner. I, I work with my wife, so I, I can relate to you. And I, I love that. But I appreciate you taking your time out to speak to me and share your your words with the the listeners as well oh thank you it is it's i'm so honored and so grateful uh, that to talk with you and to listen to all that you're doing and the information that you're sharing it's it's vital and and i i hope that you see your audience continue to grow because the messages you sh- you're sharing are are just the key to everything your mission statement living longer being happier more joyful having those more joyful lives um what you're doing is amazing so thanks for having me on no problem just two two things before we wrap up the first one is where can my listeners go to find out more about you so your website uh, if you have any social media where can they go to to find out more about you yeah absolutely so they can find me um i have personally i have an instagram page that that's a little less yoga, a little bit more about like the whole kit and caboodle and life. So that's it, Megan Kearney um, on Instagram. And then I also have a Facebook page, Megan Kearney Movement. Um, and then the work that we're doing with first responders is, uh, is the project called the, the Stronger Shield Project. We are in the process of filing for our nonprofit. Um, so we're, we're always looking for people to follow us and build us. We just got started on Instagram. So it's the, it's Stronger Shield Project at Instagram and on Facebook. Um, follow us, friend us, like us. We, we would love it and share the word. Make sure you go and follow listeners. I'll put all yeah. the links anyway, um, and I'll put all the, the handles and the links in the, in the description and the show notes of, of, of this episode. Uh, final thing then, final point we always finish my podcast in the same way. And that is with a favorite quote. And this can be something that inspires you, something that you live by. It can be one of your own. Just finish the show, Megan, with a favorite quote, something inspirational to end the show. Well, I, it's funny. I think that our whole conversation is talking about these pillars and building upon things um, to have this full and wonderful life. I think of Ida Rolf and Ida Rolf is a, is a therapist that I look up to and her quote, uh, an effective human being is a whole that is greater than the sum of its parts. And, and really we 
have to think that just individually these things are a little bit towards the direction we want to move but when we bring it all together it's more than you could even tally um, it's so beneficial when we put it all together and, and that's how we are as individuals and it's how um, all of these things that we've talked about if we bring it in we can we can be and do big things love it excellent brilliant chat uh, thank you so much megan for thanks time. and uh, I'll absolutely thank you no problem. I look forward to putting this out and uh, we'll speak again very soon. Let's keep in touch. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. There we have it, guys. That's a wrap on episode number 48 of the Kinetic Fitness Show with Megan Kearney. Fantastic guest. I loved all the information she shared there with us and I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Just to finish this show, there's three things that I'd love for you to do for me. The first one is to subscribe to this podcast. If you haven't already, just hit that subscribe button. The second thing I'd like you to do or love you to do is to leave me a review. If you are on a platform where you can leave me a review, please, please do so. Reviews are huge and they help me so much. So do leave me a review. And I love to see the reviews and hear your feedbacks and comments as well. Third and final thing, and this is the most powerful one. If you forget everything else, just do this which is to share this with at least one person. Just one person. I want you to tell them about this podcast, about this show. Say to them, have you listened to the Kinetic Fitness Show? If they haven't, then send them my way. Give them the link. Take a screenshot on your social media. Tag me in it, Ali West Fitness. I will share it as well. And together, we can help more people to live a longer, healthier, happier, and more joyful life. That's it. That's the end of the show. Have a great week until I speak to you again. Stay healthy, stay blessed. Peace and love.